Hello and welcome to a special bumper HRD Summit UK edition of the HRD Live podcast. This week, Meg Headley, co-founder of Atticus, Stephen Robertson, CEO of The Big Issue, and Jim Cregan, co-founder of Jimmy's Iced Coffee, sat down to discuss corporate social responsibility and purpose in our organisations. It was an absolutely fascinating and totally unique insight into how businesses can do better. Enjoy. Hi. This is a podcast all about purpose and corporate social responsibility. And I'm here with two colleagues today to discuss how purpose or, or corporate social responsibility works within companies and works within charities. So I'll introduce my colleagues. Hi, I'm Stephen Robertson. I'm Chief Executive of the Big Issue Foundation. And my name is Jim Cregan and I'm a co-founder of Jimmy's Iced Coffee. And my name's Meg Headley and I work for a consultancy that does CSR work and we're called Atticus. So we wanted to start today really by understanding um, how people define corporate social responsibility or purpose or corporate citizenship or whatever we want to call it in the world of uh, combination of charities and corporates. So over to you guys. How do you see that relationship? Um, well, we've only just kind of branched into it as of late because we've only been able to get um, the freedom and time and headspace to be able to get into it. Um, so I, I think it's you've just got to have that understanding of or that that relationship between what you're doing as a business and who you want to be partnering with and it has to have kind of like a natural fit i don't think it can you can just go out and do something for doing sake there's got to be a really really good link between them between the two yeah and one of the things you've talked about jim before is purpose so actually understanding what your business purpose is over and above making profit and i wonder whether that's core to this as well yeah, the, when we first started Jimmy's, it wasn't a case of wanting to make money. It was that money was a byproduct of the dream, and the dream was to actually, in my simple mindset, was to see people drinking our product over a can of Coke because that's what's really, really exciting for me. Um, and then it's the same thing with the CSR piece. It's it's you you have to do more than just profit, especially these days. You can't just be running around being excited about that kind of thing, and that that resonates with the rest of our crew in our office. So if, we, if we're doing some really good stuff, for example, um, that's outside of profit, people get really stoked on that as well. It's not just yeah. about the money. Yeah, the excitement of doing something. And have you seen a change from your end? Um, yeah, certainly. And I kind of, I kind of take, take the word corporate out of it, really, yeah. because I think it kind of, um, it's almost misleading and it makes it seem quite sort of stilted. Yeah. And actually, if you're just talking about social responsibility, then you are talking about mission and you are talking about purpose. I've seen it at different levels in lots of different organisations. Those that have it most centrally embedded in what they're doing, in general, um, have better staff morale, have better retention rates. The really smart organisations are seeing it as something that is absolutely critical to the delivery of their, um, their business. Yeah, it, and I think it's really interesting. I suppose we work across different sectors, and even within sectors, it's looking really different and called different things. Mm -hmm. And I wonder whether that's part of the confusion around people know they want to do it, they know they've got the passion that you talk about, Jim, and they understand because they want to do the right thing, exactly what you've just said, Stephen. But I think sometimes people just don't know where to start. And I think from our point of view, what's interesting is when it's called CSR or when it's called corporate citizenship, and I take your point about corporate, absolutely, I think it's about who does it rather than what it is. And I think, so some of the financial services industry that we work call, with call it ESG. And that, to me, is helpful because it's about environment, it's about social good, and it's about governance. And it's about doing all three of those things mm. well and, and in a way that makes sense 
all together. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you think? Does that make sense from your perspective? Yeah, it does. Um, and and I think it's sort of recognizing that your life goes on whilst you're at work. Yeah. So yeah. you know, in terms of our space, in terms of homelessness, people are not happy about what they see on the way to work. Yeah. Mm. They're not happy when they go out at lunchtime. They're not happy in the evening. They don't like seeing tented cities. They don't like the visibility of homeless people. And they think it's wrong. And where we have opportunities to interact with um, corporate organisations that are beginning to address issues like this, they're kind of recognising that you don't turn your brain off when you come no. in and you try and find ways to add value whilst people are actually in the workplace. And that that creates a much more sort of sense of, I don't know, dynamism and connection across the organisation because people are talking about something that's important to them all. And also it crosses all the hierarchies and the different job roles and the different functions of an organisation. If you've all got that central passion, particularly in org- in large organisations where perhaps the product or the service is not as core because everyone's doing such different jobs, there's a pride in working for an organisation that's got a heart as well as a, a, a way of making profit. And you alluded to it before you said, you know, the team are all really stoked about it. Yeah, and it's, it's quite nice because one, one of the things that we do is um, quite a lot of work experience for, for young people to come in and just check our office out. Um, but they'll, they'll spend a whole week there and they'll actually work with each, indiv- in, each individual department. So our finance director is going to have, you know, a couple of hours with whoever's going to be coming in and then they get to learn a bit about events, a bit about marketing, a bit about logistics. And... When they leave, you can tell that everyone's kind of enjoyed just giving that extra little bit of help. Yeah. Because um, you can free up a little bit of time to be able to do those things. And the, and the, and the, and the difference it makes is, is amazing. So let, let's talk about the employee bit then, because I think that's really important. I think historically the relationship between organisations and charities used to be, and I'm going back a while, a very much a one-way financial street because I don't think corporates really understood how to interact properly with charities or NGOs. (laughs) Here's some money and leave me alone until next year. Toe-curling stuff. Um, And and really short-term and really not tied to the strategy of what the organisation was doing. And actually the easiest way of dealing with it it was to chuck some money down the pipe and and that was kind of job done. I think there's a much deeper... Uh, thought process now which is great in that and we've just touched on employees employees want to feel connected to that decision not just a load of money written you know check written by the fd and passed through nobody's really connected to it so that look, you've just talked about it a bit jim the whole um having people in your organization or offering pro bono support or volunteering over and above or in addition to any financial contribution and to me that's partly about really understanding the business but more importantly it's about finding a charity to work with where you've got alignment of ideas ambition growth plans and you actually become partners for a while rather than as you said jim you know putting a a check in the post and then next year it might be a different charity or Mm. it's having that proper partnership where you're actually trying to build each other going forward have have you seen that change recently from your end yeah i mean don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with it finance is always good (laughs) finance is always good i'm not turning turning that down for a second but i think the most important thing is is the kind of relationship that you build. Yeah. There's little point in just having your name and a smiling partner in a sort of back of an annual report with a sort of brief CSR statement. It's got to be something that's real. Um, we, I'd like to make it sound strategic, but it, it wasn't. We had uh, a volunteer day some years ago with HSBC Bank, um, the retail bank, and yeah. uh, we were delighted, but we didn't really know what to do. Um, because vendors, big issue vendors, didn't have lots of rooms for people to paint and things. So we thought, I know, we'll take the guys out to meet the vendors in Covent Garden. And whilst we were out, the banker said, look, we are high street retail bankers. We can sell mortgages to people that have come in to get 50 quid. We want to work with your vendors today so they get the benefit of our sales training 
and they're financially better off at the end of the day, which we thought was great. The vendors thought it was quite funny, working with a load of bankers. <laughs> and sure enough, they put on their red jackets and held up a copy of the Big Issue magazine, which is a piece of A4 paper. It's not a gun or a knife. It's not scary. But instead of being professional high street retail bankers, they were suddenly members of the homeless committee, the feckless, the idle, the drug addicted and worthy of people's disdain. They could not sell anything. Yeah. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, they were quite moved and shocked because... One of the things they realised was that the um, attitudes that have been displayed to them were actually attitudes and behaviours they themselves held. Mm. Uh, that they ignore people, that they look at the wrong side of the mobile phone and say negative things to people. What's more, they had sales training from homeless people who were way better at sale, yeah. selling than they were. Mm -hmm. And that developed a, a learning and development CSR program for us purely by chance where we take out all sorts of organizations their staff working with our vendors yeah. and it's a very much a lived experience piece yeah. that actually fits now more in the learning and development space than CSR. And, and you know that's brilliant isn't it because they're overcoming a sales obstacle that most people don't even have to consider mm. and the words that you just used there were very very emotive mm. words and I'm sure you you hear those words and that's why you use them but you're quite right you know there's a there needs to be a lack of pompousness and a lack of arrogance around the way that corporates approach charities because you don't know which way around the learning's going to be. No. Mm. Hence, why that partnership needs to be in it for the long term, yes. not not you know not the sort of shining knight on a silver steed yeah. who thinks they're going to just solve everything. Because actually, it's that open mindedness that creates a really great partnership and really understanding mm. what you're willing to put into that partnership up front. The important thing as well is it doesn't matter what level or grade you're at. The experience you have when you're doing it is is your own experience, and therefore it opens up dialogues between people that might not have been talking to each other before. So it's very uh, it's a very kind of impartial thing. It, it's what happens is what happens. So you could be in charge and somebody else could be like, I don't know, parking cars out the back. It's irrelevant when people have behaved to you, not in the way that you know yourself to be, but in the yeah. way that they think you are. Yeah. And That's that amazing. creates a really interesting dialogue and it takes you to other places that has a bit more resilience than just CSR. Yeah. Well, and that comes back to, you know, what what is it? Is it purpose? Is it social? Is it environmental? Is it governance? And it has to be, it has to span all of those things. Because again, just thinking about your clients, so so the people that your vendors sell to, yeah. I mean, they, they could be anybody. Um, you know, it, it's, it's more about that connection that they make, probably, than any other sales piece. Um, but it, but in the same, same in your world, Jim, that consumer piece or that client piece and the way that, um, that your teams, albeit they different teams, mm. approach that marketplace and the authenticity with which they do this stuff mm. is really, really important. So, so the authenticity comes from what you've just described because it is the real deal yes. that they're dealing with all day, every day, and it's a bloody tough real mm. deal. How do you get that piece into what you're doing, Jim, so that it is, it is, it is real and it's coming from the heart and it doesn't look like PR? Um, I, th I, to be honest, I don't really know. I just think try just trying to maximise on on reaching as many young people as we possibly can is what we need to do through all these different levels of engagement. So at, at our top tier, we have the people who come in for the week. Um, to, to learn about our company and try and give them as much confidence as they as we can possibly give them and then on the next tier you've got uh you'll have a large group of school kids and probably like 15 kids coming in and we will give them a day on how to be as professional and learn their presenting skills as best as they can and these can be really really simple things like do, how to do a firm handshake how to look people in the eye how to smile how to ask for things correctly because um, people come into businesses quite a lot and they kind of get overwhelmed by stuff mm and they're bowled over by business jargon and loads of suits and all this kind of stuff. And we've just, we 
I think we class ourselves as very just normal human beings. Um, I think just trying to to be as real as possible um, is probably the best route to go down, I guess. And you've you've just, as you said at the beginning, you've just started thinking about this strategically. Yeah. So, so I suppose there's a, there's a point at which you've got to understand as a business when you're best placed in your in your growth or in your maturity or however long you've been around mm-hmm. to start these <clears> partnerships <throat> and and to approach people like yourself Stephen and actually make something meaningful because the worst thing you can do is start something and then not be able to finish it because that's quite damaging for yeah. all sorts for, for everybody that's involved all the stakeholders so i suppose there's a piece here which is you need to be um you need to be a big enough business like you and you said you've now got the headspace to think about it you need to be a big enough business to know what you can give what mm-hmm. you're all about what your purpose is where you're going and what your strategic aim is maybe over two, three years, and then pick that to pieces and say, okay, and behind that sits a purpose. So how best do we approach this and put some edges around it? Mm. Um, what's From your point of view, um, Stephen, I'm sure you've had people who've come with all the best intentions and for whatever re- reason it's not worked before. What are the lessons that corporates need to learn, either either in terms of when they approach you in their maturity or how they approach you, what are the lessons they need to learn about when it can all go wrong and when it can cause more damage than good? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think there's there's never really a right time in a sense. The more that you can see social responsibility activity as something that the organisation wants to do and engages and sees as a three-dimensional thing, then you've got, you've got something to go on. And yeah. I've had experience of organisations where effectively they are ticking the box and it's painful. And the level of engagement from staff isn't there and what have you. So it's got to be something, I think, that that, that people absolutely believe in mm. at the top and are visibly leading it through and talking about it in a way that's a bit more than just doing some good. Mm. And it relates into your HR strategy. It relates to your retention strategy. It relates to your development strategy, your diversity yeah. strategy. You've got The more you're thinking about it as, as, as not just a sort of an add-on, yeah. but something that's about purpose and values, it has a greater resilience. So it's almost like the maturity of the organisation is the measure. Yeah. And you know what? This is when the word corporate's quite useful to put back into it, if only to get boards to understand that they need to have they need to know what they're aiming at. So they need to know, you know, attrition and retention. Well, attrition's a massive cost. Attracted and top talent is a massive cost. Um, having unproductive workforces or unenthusiastic workforces is a massive cost all of those things can be addressed by having that sense of purpose and authenticity around what you're doing Mm -hmm. in the same way as you know brand equity is is hard to come by and very easy to destroy Mm -hmm. um and and that you know some of these pieces here about the longevity about what you're trying to do and and in fmcg it might be the environmental piece as well as the social piece that's really important in there um and then you know with some of our 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 clients who are in professional services the governance piece is really important but it it is that you know the corporate Corporate, when you're talking about the social impact, feels uncomfortable. But if it means that boards tie it back into the very fabric of the business that they're trying to run, and therefore it can't be extracted and it isn't an add-on, it actually is core to the DNA of the business, Mm. then I assume, but interested in your opinions, that that feels like it's the useful place for it to start from both your perspectives. Yeah, totally. And it it, it is just about the the timing of when you're going to do it. Um, So... I've done some uh, human lending, it's called, at the British Library for social enterprise startups. And um, there's a there's a coffee company called Blue Bear Coffee that um, aims to try and raise awareness and help with trafficking and slavery, modern day slavery, of which it's there's never been so much slavery ever. And trying to understand with him how much 
you go down that route before you put the before you put your company first yeah. and there's another company called the good slice which is a pizza company that kind of does one slice for you one slice for uh, a person who's who's hungry and they 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 come in and they're they're so like kind of desperate to help but they might forfeit their business at the same time so you don't want to you don't want to fold your business because you, you're doing too much good in the beginning is trying to find that sweet spot. Yeah. And um, it was it was interesting talking that through with them because I was reflecting on our own piece because I've wanted to help out from the very beginning. And I kind of, I guess I did because we were doing lots of talks at schools and colleges and things like that, which is always trying, trying to help young people just to understand that business can be fun, etc. Um, but you've got to know where that point is to be able to go, okay, right, we can go full steam ahead and start start helping some people out. Yeah. And I think I think the question then is, you know, what what is it? What is the helping out? And you've talked about so you're creating a movement around keep your chin up, which is brilliant, and all the noise that you're creating about opening young people's minds to doing to, to doing good, which is amazing. But it's it's got to be practical. People have got to be able to put their hands around it and understand mm. what is it. Um, and so, you know, some examples that we've been working with recently: pro bono work uh, of niche skills within organisations. And you've already talked about that. And and the interesting reflection you had about. You know, an organisation can think it's got a niche skill until it's in a very different situation and then they might need a different kind of niche skill. Um, and it, it, it's, it's, it's really examining the core of the business and saying, how do we maximise this from a, from a social impact point of view and how do we make it really work? And then what do we do with it? So we have to excite the employees around it. You've got to do the employee engagement piece. You've got to have stuff in there that is relevant for everybody so that nobody feels excluded by it or put out by it because then you've got the whole engagement issue in reverse. You've got to have a board that's completely bought in and, you know, you've just said, Stephen, leading from the top and really engaged and um, and committed to it. You've got to have clients that understand it so the message has got to be clear. Um, why are we doing it? If there's, a, if there's a misalignment, no one's going to understand what it is you're trying to achieve. So yeah. that's got to be simple and so clear. Simple. Um, and I think that's the thing. I think sometimes it gets overcomplicated but my feeling um, or my opinion is that it gets overcomplicated because people start halfway down the journey and they pick a charity or a, or a group they want to work with but haven't actually backed up and thought how long are we in this for what can we deploy how does this sit within the core DNA of our business how do we make it work across all our stakeholder groups so employees consumers or clients and or investors because that's another big bit that's coming down the line quite heavily mm -hmm. um, in terms of them expecting stuff from people if they're heading towards wanting some investment and then breaking it down to, into you know what is the global strategy what's the regional strategy what can everybody get involved in are we going to give any money mm -hmm. how does it what's the jigsaw so that and then how do we report on it? So that then when they come to somebody like you, Stephen, they haven't, they're not just coming in with goodwill. They're coming in having thought about it and being able to say to you, this is what we can add to the partnership. Does that work for you? Not here we are, we're knights in shining armour. Does this actually align with what you're trying mm. to do or are we the wrong organisation to partner with you? Yeah. Um, and have you seen that? Have you, had part, have you had people that have come to you who perhaps aren't in the right space to partner with you or have got different ambitions or... Does that clash? We haven't had that that direct experience, no. Um, primarily because we've kind of gone down this learning and development route pretty yeah, well, yeah. and it's a fairly well-defined process and package that has plenty of additional... It has lots of additionality that can be added to it as a result of the kind of uh, commitment and energy that we create at that initial bit. So... So, no, I don't think we have had that. I mean, what we do do is 
give a lot of time and attention at the start of a partnership, which I think is also really yeah. important. If people just like all want to do something, you're like, oh, well, you could do this on Tuesday. <laughs> it's kind of like you've actually <laughs> great. Yeah. What about you, Wednesday? Yes, exactly. You kind of you want to go and you know you want to go and talk to the the organisation. You want to brief the people that are there. You want to get them a sort of sense of excitement and and, and and sort of ambition about what they can do. Because in our space, um, it can seem very scary to go and work on the street with homeless people and yeah. you think oh well maybe i'd be doing a soup kitchen or something you don't think actually i'm going to go out and be part of their retail workforce and find mm. out what it's like to be disliked by the great british public so mm. so from that point of view you want to kind of get people enthusiastic and confident enough yeah. to sort of see themselves as doing something different and i always say to people look in our, in our situation what you're what you're doing is you're standing still holding up a piece of A4 paper. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And it can seem absolutely terrifying yeah. because that piece of A4 paper is like a mirror mm. and it's reflecting back some of the some of the unpleasant things that people think about homeless people and mm. they might change exchange that with you. But it is a piece of A4 paper. Well, and most, and most <laughs> yes. people are used to solving problems, aren't they? They're, yes. most, they're, they're yeah. used to doing, yes. seeing the problem and saying, right, yeah. well, this is the solution, I'll, I'll, yes. go and, I'll go and chase it. Whereas actually, if you don't even understand... The problem, yes. and and that's that's the irony of this whole thing, isn't it? That, that actually all charities are dealing with something at their core, which is emotional and raw. Yeah. So you've just described the reality of your vendors uh, on on the street doing what they do, um, but you take you know take other other issues that charities face. So Jim, the stuff that you're doing around real confidence issues and resilience issues in mm-hmm. ch- in children and young adults. How do they how do they face the world? How do they how do they create the right confidence and ambition and, and way of approaching the world when the world is quite a big scary place or you know if you've yeah. got people dealing with children's charities where the children are terminally ill or very ill you know the yeah. reality of charities is they're centered on something usually very emotional and quite distressing for whatever reason yeah. and i think that's mm-hmm. that's the bit that we have to get over to corporates more that Doing good is brilliant, but at some point there's going to be an unpleasant reality that people, you know, if you really want to do good, you've got to get under the skin of mm-hmm. what that issue is all about. Yeah. Um, and it and it isn't just a, you know, a, a kind of veneer where you can you can sail over the top and just feel like you're doing something useful. If you're really going to address the problems, you've got to feel that emotional yeah. piece. But then the flip side of that is that when you do do something um, great with with partners like yourself, the pride that comes from actually addressing those things properly at, at their core yeah. with partners like you, um, then then I think that employee engagement, that employee pride, that whole piece about attracting talent, because people can see it's real and authentic and all the words you used, Jim, at the beginning. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the core. I was going to say, I think, um, you know, that lived experience is a very powerful thing. Mm. So for people engaging with um, maybe in your organisation or now, it's actually the lived experience that people have from that is something they talk about. So your your team will talk, your staff will talk about it. The people that have come in and taken part will be telling other people. And yeah. I think that's, uh, for me, it's the core bit that it all comes from. It's all about, you know, you won't believe what I was doing today. I was out selling the big issue. Well, it's the feeling, and, isn't you know, it? That's yeah. the kind of, that's, yeah. that's, that's, you're going to tell people. And, yeah. and I think that has a sort of knock-on good effect. Not mm-hmm. that I'm a hippie, but there's a sort of ripples that come out yeah. of this that are good because other people tell other people and mm-hmm. more good happens as a result or can happen. Yeah, I think and, and it's us, the collective memories, isn't it? It's... Yeah. yeah. Um, I think for us, there's there's the, there's the challenge of how... It, there's, it's all fair and well having someone come into the organisation or having some school kids come in and we teach for a whole day on professionalism stuff, but and they'll, they'll go away and the ripple effect will happen. They'll tell their friends and their parents and all that kind of stuff, but then it's how you how you kind of re-engage with them six months later just as a hey man are you still looking yeah. people in the eye and are you still holding the door open for people and are you still shaking people's hands firmly or have you kind of gone back into oh yeah that was cool but now you know 
whatever i've gone back into my usual thing i know i know we we can't keep going back to the amount of people that we're talking to all the time but if we could what would we do um and that's quite quite an interesting hill to climb i'm kind of looking forward to seeing how we can do it a little bit yeah yeah it's the stickability piece isn't it making sure that it lasts so if you were gonna from a from a charity's perspective if you could if if people are in where jim jim was six months ago and they know they want to do it. They're passionate about it, and they're trying to get their heads around what does it look like. How do I best approach this to do the to make the biggest impact I can and do the best good I can, meaningfully? From your perspective, heading up a big charity like you do, what would your top tip be? Um, I think I would I would start doing my research. <laughs> I'd try and find out you know who's out there, what what CSR type things look like. Try and get a sense of what my employees were interested and keen to do and, and come up with a bit of a menu and then start to talk to organisations because if they're bothered, if those charities are bothered, they're going to talk to you. Yeah. If they if they say, oh, well, you know, there's a marathon, you can go run that if you like. But well, then, then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you do that for anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think if, you, if the charity is taking your offer of engagement seriously, you'll know and that in itself will take you on that journey and help to define what you can do with it. Mm. So a lot of it is just about talking and look at other businesses around there people people quite a lot of organizations don't hide their csr activities away they're they're front and center on their websites and stuff so get your research going but make make some calls yeah yeah and start that partnership yeah. we've and got a visit to um well we're talking to outward bound trust at the moment and um they're, they're a charity getting people again it's another kind of confidence thing and life learning skills by taking predominantly city kids out to places like Scotland and uh, the Lake District and crazy parts of Wales to go and essentially jump off pontoons, build rafts and do loads of crazy stuff. I'm going to go and visit those guys next week and actually kind of get fully immersed in their centre to understand how it works. Um, but then, on, you know, on the same <coughs> breath, doing a bit of research, as you're saying, Stephen, um, there's a, an amazing charity called UK Youth um, or Youth UK. And uh, they've actually got an activity centre, which is only about 10 minutes drive from our office. And so we're going to try and meet those guys too. And it kind of makes sense if it's 10 minutes away, how many how many volunteers we can get from our office to go and meet those people too. Or could we work with both of them? I don't know. But yeah, doing the whole research piece and actually getting under the skin of what these people do is, is really exciting. And same with the, with the Wave Project, which is a surfing charity that we've worked with for the last few years. And volunteering on those classes that they do is just... It's just so much fun because you, you you feel like you're you're doing so much for, and it doesn't and it's actually really fun what you're doing in the first place, but unless you get under the skin you you are just going to end up just giving a check to someone and that's it is good as you say but it's it needs to be a little bit more fulfilling. Yeah, and in order to do both that both those things, I guess you need to have thought it through on your own first um, yeah. from a corporate <clears> perspective. <throat> actually, you know who are you? What are you about? What's your purpose? What impact do you want to have? Why are you doing it? What are the levers and who are your stakeholders? And you're always going to have employees, clients or consumers and any kind of investors or external stakeholders in that group. I think once you've understood that and you've really simplified that and got it in a nugget, then you can go and sort of say to yourselves, right, we know what we're trying to do. Now let's do all the research you've just talked about and work out how combined in a really brilliant, close, fun, strategic, proper partnership where we're really trying to boost each other where can that go over the next two or three years? And, mm. and that, that's where it really starts. I think, sorry, I, no, I think so. I mean, uh, uh, 
it's, it's, it's also like you just got to look in other areas of an organisation. What's our diversity strategy like? You know, is, is it, have we just got little statements about stuff? Because you're not on a general journey. It's not just about social responsibility. It's about kind of how you think about the organisation. And social responsibility is probably one of those outputs. Mm -hmm. And if you can't gauge the other outputs at, at this time, then you're probably not mature enough mm. To see it through so so it's, it's kind of having a long hard look at yourself in in many respects not just in this space and say well how intelligent are we how emotionally intelligent are we as an organization how important is it to, to us that 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 is understood built upon expanded seen as a retention tool whatever those things are and if you can start to answer that slightly bigger narrative yeah you probably answer some of the questions that you haven't even asked yet well i think that's really interesting so uh, the, the whole piece about employee employees and, and again depending on what industry you're in you could have quite a lot of indirect employees or people who are in your procurement chain who you don't have direct influence over but the whole governance piece about you know employment law modern slavery jim you alluded to it earlier but the, the, the diversity and inclusion piece as you've said if you've really got a handle on that, it implies as a leadership team or a board or whatever is at the top of your organisation that you're actually quite forward-thinking. So you've got you've got the social impact, but you've understood the longevity and the need for that. But the DNI, the diversity and inclusion piece, is is paramount, and that's going to start being a really really important measure for people going forward and a real turn-off actually if it's wrong yeah. for top talent. And I think that's the key with this. It's you know you can having top talent looking at any organisation. It doesn't matter whether you're third sector or whether you're a corporate people top talent are expecting people to do more than just make a, a profit but they're also expecting people to show that maturity of mm. thinking around their employees and it's not about just gender and it's not about just ethnic mm. uh, minorities and it's not about just age or educational background it's mm. it's diversity of thought yeah um and if you can get that into your organization and really get that mix bubbling and fizzing that's when you start to get you know these ideas about whether what the future of leading an organization looks like um and at the core of it every organization is driven by employees and how well they're how well they're working and how engaged yeah. they are so you're quite right the dni stuff is in there and then the environmental piece is another core more tricky for some than others again again depending on your sector mm. um but that environmental piece as we all know is becoming core and actually in quite a lot of the rf quite a lot of clients that we're talking to now part of the RFP process, so the procurement process. Is What's RFP, I'm sorry? So request for proposal. So if they're, have, if they're buying things into the organisation, there's big questions now yeah. around mm. the environmental piece and the governance piece. Um, and it's becoming an industry in itself, working out how you, you, know, how you respond to those meaningfully. And actually, you know, have you got the framework in place that includes the social impact piece, but also in, in, incorporates all these other um, areas and do you actually know who people further down your what what the people further down your supply chain are doing with regards to yeah. modern slavery or exactly. employment? Um, I remember when we started working with you on our. I'd actually rather just say social responsibility because I don't. I don't even know what corporate it actually is. At what point do you become a corporate company? <laughs> yes. Is it when? And does it, it matter? Is it when it suddenly just gets really boring, <laughs> or it takes ages to make a decision? Um, but some of the stats that you guys kind of. Um, gave to us before we started properly thinking about what we were doing. I mean, it, it goes as far as um, people being willing to take a pay cut. Yeah. Provide if they're going to be working in a company that does more than just chase profit. Yeah. I think that's a really big thing because money is very, very important to people. Um, and to be able to just go, do you know what? I'm. I think it was like thirty percent less. Yeah. Thirty percent less of a, of a salary to know that you're actually going to be doing a whole lot of good. I think is you know it's a really really big measure. It is a big measure. And you've even got the the private equity houses now that are actually investing solely in companies with social enterprise or essentially doing 
stupidly good things at the forefront of yeah. their things and then their products are a byproduct of what their actual yeah. real dream is which is amazing it is i mean the whole the whole world is changing for the better in that respect in fact we were in um seeing a, a vcp happy house last week and they were they were saying now for them in terms of their due diligence so when they're making decisions as to who they're going to invest in a few years ago this stuff was kind of on the radar but it was quite small and meaningless and it was a tick box now for them actually it's really important because <coughs> a consumers want it so they're more willing to pay for whatever the product mm. is if they're actually doing something meaningful yeah. with people like yourself Stephen but but also they it indicates this maturity of thinking at a at a senior level at a leadership team exec level that they've got it they understand that the social conscience has changed and that organizations need to think in a more rounded way about the way they go around business um, and I just think that's really interesting that they're now flipping the whole thing on its head and saying you know this used to be a sort of add-on to the due diligence process, but now it's yeah. becoming front of mind. And, and you know, you've got you've got um, asset management investment houses out there who are solely about impact investing. So they're right up one end of the scale. This is so cool. Um, and they've got clients buying what they do because they're right at the top end of this scale. So everything they do is based is based up there. Um, and you know, of all the industries that you wouldn't have thought would have that at the core of their being you know the financial services industry is is kind of going oh actually hang on a minute this is this is really interesting and mm. this is really worthwhile mm. so it's not i think you know again i think the fmcg market has been all over this stuff for a lot longer than most other markets but professional services seem to be getting there now tech we've just worked with a tech client and they've got all sorts of interesting stuff they can give uh, mm. in terms of thinking and skills and and um, stuff that the rest of us, you know, can't compute because it's superhuman techie <laughs> stuff. Um, and, and, you know, st stuff like that, if you go out and buy it in, it's super expensive. But if they're prepared to come and do that stuff, amazing. And and they're getting it as well because, again, you know, tech industry needs that heart put, put back in the middle of it mm. so that it, it, it feels like it. All the work they're doing uh, about STEM, you know, getting girls into science, that's a huge core piece throughout the tech the tech industry so it's interesting it's starting to balance out yeah yeah across all the all the clients we're seeing across different sectors everyone's it's it's starting to tip quite a lot um and we're starting to get phone calls saying we know we need to do this and we've kind of got our heads around it but we just we don't know how to frame it and i think that's one of the most difficult things we don't know where to start mm -hmm. so having your comments yeah. about getting under the skin of it Stephen, and, mm -hmm. and you know experiencing it and talking to people like yourself who head up big charities and who can explain at an emotional and logical and financial level what it's all about yeah. that starts to engage with everybody then doesn't it mm. um, it's been so helpful having you guys on board kind of helping us formulate all of our stuff because my brain kind of fires off in all different directions <laughs> and you're like right okay just put it all into a little box and we'll just wrap Simplify it up it. <laughs> nicely and make it simple so you can explain it to my six-year-old son uh, and then if he can understand then anyone else is going to understand yeah and that's when it becomes punchy and it's i'm yeah. sure it's the same for you isn't it help helping to be people to understand your business model you know if you if you boil down what you do yeah. behind the scenes there's all manner of stuff going on that nobody nobody can comprehend i'm sure unless you're in your position yeah. but what the public need to know is that if you buy a copy of The Big Issue, you're helping homeless people. And yeah. that's the simplicity of it. The rest of it is dealt yeah. with kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, mm. ab absolutely. I mean, you, you know, you're effectively interacting with a newsagent without a shop. That's an interesting yeah. way of putting <laughs> that's it. That's what a Big Issue vendor is. They're selling a magazine on the street. They have mm. other things in their lives, as do we all. But yeah. at that point of transaction, you're actually interacting with the newsagent without a shop. Yeah. You'll buy that magazine for £2.50 and that vendor will make £1.25. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. that's their own business. Yeah. And people suddenly saying, oh, you mean they're in business? And you're like, I just thought they got it for free. And it's like, no, 
they earn this. Yeah. <laughs> they invest their own money. If they don't sell it, they don't get the money back. Yeah. Mm. This is a business. <laughs> yeah. And then people are like, oh, okay, that's different to what I thought. And they, they, people go on a journey. Yes. And I think if you get the right bits there, people go on a journey where they sort of unpack things and put them back together and see the world in a slightly different light. And is there anything, if you could educate corporates to help understand that a bit more um, and understand the journey that perhaps would help them to, to get that earlier on? Because you, until you said that, I, you know, that was a bit of a light bulb for me when you said they're a news agent without a shop. That's quite an interesting way. Yeah. I don't know, Jim. I, I just, that hadn't... The light bulb bit for me was the actually they are, they're actually running their own business. Yeah. Um, and it's... Yeah, that kind of messaging is is really strong because you suddenly then go into kind of like a bit of a dragon's den thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where you're kind of like, oh, you're running your own business. Oh, I I want to support British business. You yeah. know, as opposed to help the homeless. And it's yeah. the, the, whichever light bulb moment works for you, um, the more that messaging can get out to different yeah. people because it's gonna be different heartstrings, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and the more parity you can build, or the more more similarities you can build between you know your vendors and somebody who might want to invest in them yeah they'll understand that message they've got their own business that's what they're doing they've, they've got the you know that it is yeah. their business mm-hmm. whereas what you've just said jim i completely agree with you is if they're seen as a homeless person being given something to yes. sell which isn't it's very right, passive yeah. it is passive yes. you're right whereas yes. actually if people can see the effort going in and the investment going in from their yeah. perspective people get it don't mm-hmm. they yeah. absolutely and we've got some vendors now increasing number of vendors who are taking contactless payments and people are going, what do you mean you're a contactless homeless person? Mm. And you say, no, no, you can buy a magazine in a newsagent contactlessly. You can buy one from Big Issue Vendor contactlessly. Yeah. That's yeah. what you're doing. And it's been, oh, OK, I see. But it's quite a hard message to get people to understand. It like, is. What do you I, mean I think that'll, I think that'll go person? quite quickly, though. <laughs> I was watching a thing on uh, TV last night about Shenzhen, a, a part, an area of China that's like the tech hub. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a chap in the subway playing an amazing instrument, and he had a barcode on the floor, and you can just scan it, and it yeah. automatically gives them, you know... Whatever you want to give. Yeah, whatever you want to give. And... I think it will. I think there's probably a little stigma behind it. Well, if if you can afford a yes. uh, a, a contactless thing, then you you must be yes. doing all right. But yeah. that that will eventually become the norm, yes. and then more and more people will just tap the bugs. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is like, God, I don't actually have any change. Yes. I mean, who actually has got coppers in their exactly. in their pocket these days? Um, so to be able to tap, it's don't like get around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then then it's a, then it's a no brainer, isn't yeah. it? And then they're just going to be inundated i reckon yeah. but that's exciting that's really exciting it, it is exciting it's just one of those funny things because once you explain it people are like oh of course I, I see what you mean but you've got everyone's got so many things in their heads and you think so quickly about what you're doing and seeing well i think the hard thing is and go, yeah and, and it's ease isn't it because actually when do people buy your papers they buy them on a journey so you know it's not like going to a shop yeah. you buy it and so you're already you're in transit yes um and so the easier you can make it yes. the better yeah, um absolutely. so that, that's really interesting and what's in terms of your strategy where do you see your charity in two three years time what are the big changes that are coming down the pipeline for you okay well you said we're a big charity on a number of occasions um well maybe and th- that's because we're in london it feels like a big charity the visibility of vendors there's probably about 1500 across the uk at the moment uh within the big issue magazine the asset lock social enterprise that produces the magazine and sells it and gets it to market including editorial advertising and people are 75 and there's 25 of us in the charity we're the service part of it so we'll be dealing with the reasons why you might have become a big issue vendor or dealing with the things that might have happened as a result of the experiences you're having so we're the service part of that it's 25 of us there's 100 people in total compared to a population of 1500 so we're pretty unique in that this is the first time we've met 
but you've seen big issue vendors in your travels. Yeah. And that that's a really important bit for us because so, that is the front end of engagement and you don't need to, you know, don't need middle-aged work, work, <laughs> uh, chief exec explaining stuff. It's actually people that are doing yeah. things and are at work now. Um, so for us, our strategy, um, we turn over about a million quid. We're trying to get up to about two across the next three years, which will basically replicate our existing service model so that... Uh, Vendors, wherever they are, get the same kind of support. So currently, we are not don't have a national footprint. Mm -hmm. So we're small. We need to get a bit bigger. But we've got quite a complicated challenge because a lot of people who, thank goodness, are regular big issue buyers see themselves as meeting the recipient, interacting with the recipient of their gift or their purchase who looks them in the eye and says, thank you. So you think of yourself as a very happy regular giver. And by the time we turn up and say, oh, it's the Big Issue Foundation, but the charity you haven't heard of. And then we do all this other stuff. People are like, I really like Steve outside Tesco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good. But that means it's quite hard for us sometimes to make the extra um, yards that we need to make to get that service out there. So from a corporate perspective, if somebody could come along and help solve your dilemma or help you on that route between one million and two million, yep. what would it look like? Um, the way that it's looked before, um, and I'd be very happy for it to continue to look like this, is that we engage people in what we do first. So our whole kind of CSR experience going out on the streets, working with our vendors is a really important programme because it creates the connectivity that in the end can result in other forms of staff engagement, whether that's fundraising event, taking part in uh, we're the world's biggest sleep out in a couple of weeks' time, Trafalgar Square, we have a night walk every year, about 400 people in that, so we have fundraising events, which is brilliant. But also quite a lot of big corporates will have charitable foundations, and we have a number that have then got on to fund the services we provide mm -hmm. because they absolutely understand <laughs> with lived experience what it is we do, what some of those challenges are like, and very sort of productively help us get to a more sustainable space. So the ideal for us is first and foremost, make sure you get it, but then where you can, fund us with purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Jim, from your perspective, in terms of what you see coming back to you as a business, and I know you've got a real heart at the centre of your business around doing good, but obviously what Stephen's just described is the benefit to the, the social impact, the benefit to a charity from these partnerships. Yeah. Taking that piece out of the equation for you, from a business perspective, what do you see coming out of your your CSR strategy over the next couple of years for you as a head of a business as opposed to a, a head of a charity? So what are you expecting to come back? What do, are the, do you mean in terms of like the kind of what we're looking at as markers for what yeah. we can actually do? What benefit as a business do you see coming out of it? Um... um I, th I think, on, well, on one side, you've got the the wholesome kind of vibe of actually doing it and, and engaging with our own, with our crew to get involved. So that's one aspect. Um, a secondary aspect could be the actual, you know, if we're going to, we we don't have a parent. We're we're an individual, own family owned business, and in the iced coffee industry, there are there are a lot of entrants to the market. So you've got Coke, who's just bought Costa. You've got Pepsi that own X, Y, and Z, and we essentially. We, we're kind of on the lookout for a parent who can step us up to the plate and become more of a portfolio. But then it's kind of making sure that we can align. We make sure we want to align with that particular parent. It's not just about money, but it's about, it's about shared values. Um, so if they're going to believe in what we're doing, then they can help grow our values exponentially as well. So it's not just, again, about spreading more iced coffee around, but actually getting more people, more young people to get more confident. Um, so it, it's, that kind of journey is going to be quite an interesting one. And, and presumably part of it as well, you've alluded to, is holding the glue of the team together as well. Yeah. Um, and having that whole passion and excitement around 
this is more than you know this is more than just a business this is actually a movement yeah and so when, when we have our we have quarterly meetings with the whole with the whole company and rather than just saying right this is how much we've sold and that equals this amount of profit we can actually say through the fact that we've done work experience we have kids in we have kids in i go to schools and do talks we're going to be running a podcast and working with a charity we have touched the hearts and minds of x number yeah. of people and that's where the it's yeah. going to come from as well yeah. and that's that's i mean i'm smiling now obviously you can't see it because we're on a radio thing but um it's and you've got a big beard and i've got a big beard so <laughs> um but it's that that's that that's a really exciting thing I've, I, and if you don't get excited about stuff there's not much not point in doing it. it and actually do you know what just uh, you know in, in terms of wrapping that discussion up i, I just think you're sitting here, Stephen, with a smile on your face, with that vision of the one million to two million, not yeah. because it's money, but because it's a marker of how many lives your uh, charity will impact yes. over the next two to three years. If you can make that leap from right. where you are to there, and that's with the help of a of, of a corporate. You're sitting there with your corporate head on, with a smile on your face, saying, "Actually, if we can achieve this." in connection with a charity um, that makes sense with your brand and is what, what you're about and keeps your team engaged. And, and this, to me, is the whole virtuous circle. You know, this is why business and, and charities should be so connected. And actually, you know, the, pushing both of them together is the mutual benefit of both sides. And I think that's the penny that's starting to drop now mm. from a corporate perspective, that it isn't a one-way financial street, that doing good is good for business and for social impact. And actually, at the end of the day, we're all humans trying to make the world a better place. So if we can do it through both of our uh, our channels of communication, then so, so Then win. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for your time today. It's been great to spend time with us. you thank both. Thank you very much. And, really um, really enjoyed it. Nice yeah. Hopefully we'll all get together in a, an year and a half's time and we'll have cracked this. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Job done. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thanks thank you. a lot. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HRD Live podcast. You can find out more about attending the HRD Summit UK 2020 at www.hrdsummit.com. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe on hrdconnect.com or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for a new episode every week. See you next time.